And we're back for another week on the National Fire Radio podcast. I'm not going to take up too much of your time, but this week, the week of May 22nd, 2023, it's Terry's birthday. My wife, Mrs. National Fire Radio, she'll probably hate that I even said that, but she doesn't listen to this anyway. So uh, I'm taking that day and enjoying time with her. She deserves it. She puts up with all my crap, all my travel, and all the podcasts we do and everything else in between. So I am spending the day with her, rightfully so. But this week is all new uh, episodes with fantastic guests, including a new episode from Pip from The Size Up. So hang on this week. We appreciate the support. Like, share, subscribe on the channels in which you listen. We appreciate the support, and as you fill out, uh, you know, subscribe or share or leave some comments, it helps us in the ratings, and of course, ratings help push us up the line and get more followers and listeners, and we appreciate all of that, and that's how we build the community. So, we appreciate you being here with us. Please give my sponsors and the people that trust us with their message a few minutes of your time before we roll into the daily episode. Thanks for tuning in. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Hey guys, before we start the podcast, real quick, I want to mention the Gone to Texas Fire Forum and Expo being held in Arlington, Texas on June 9th and 10th. Myself, I'm going to be emceeing the event for two days with nationally renowned speakers that will be there for the weekend. Mo Davis, Clyde Gordon, Rick George, Mickey Farrell, Jacob Johnson, Dennis Riley, and so on. The list goes on and on. I was there last year, helped emcee the event last year. It is a growing conference in an incredible venue globe life field which is home to the texas rangers in arlington texas right in the entertainment district right at the pbr bar which we're going to have a social after the first night i'm telling you right now there's no other venue like this the room actually overlooks the field you get to walk the stadium it is such a cool venue arlington texas june 9th and 10th check them out go on to texasfireforum.com or go to facebook and look them up there too go on the texas fire forum where you can buy your tickets Get great hotel rates. If anybody's asking you where you're going this summer, you tell them, go on to Texas. This episode's brought to you by Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew at Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017. With over 200,000 tins in the market, they are a leader in the helmet front space. Custom design, one-offs to department orders. They can turn them around within 24 to 48 hours. Customer service is what they pride themselves on, and they provide nothing but top-shelf product and service to their customers. Check them out at taylorstins.com and check out their full line of product offering. They've always been a very strong supporter since day one with the National Fire Radio podcast and platform, and Taylor and his crew have become dear friends of ours, and we appreciate the support. And at checkout, for a little extra bonus, use coupon code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for a discount on your order. Exclusions do apply. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com for the latest and greatest offerings from Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. Hey, everyone. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Welcome back to the podcast today. A new friend, a new guest. I'm excited for this. Carrie Lawson. 13 years in the fire service, five years with the St. John Fire District in South Carolina, currently operating as an engineer of a quint, which is a fun conversation because, hey, it's confused and we're going to talk about that. But Carrie, thank you for joining me today. This is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I, I feel pretty honored. 
Uh, no, this, listen, I, I love when people say that, and that means the world to me. But truthfully, it's me having conversations with people that I want to get to know. And um, that's all this really is. And I think that's why it works so well for the listeners, too, is that it's just a, it's just a transparent conversation between two people getting to know each other. And I think that's the fun part about it, because this job requires us to reach out and communicate with people. And I know that that's important to you. We were actually just talking about that before we hit the record button about how important that is to communicate with one another, especially in the fire service. But this is cool for me because I love meeting new people. Um, and you, uh, your name was given to me by Steve Gillespie, who's a, a friend of mine who I got to know through other people. He's a friend of yours um, and so on. And so when mutual friends say, hey, you should meet this person or have a conversation with this person, um, that means the world to me. And I, I blindly trust people that I, that are in my life. And so that's how I operate. And so here you are, here I am, and, uh, I'm excited to learn about you today. It's going to be good. So let's talk about the Quint concept real quick. I mean, not an engine, not a truck. You're currently chauffeuring the Quint. I do want to talk about that real quick. Cause we never talk about that, but <laughs> two different disciplines under one wrapper. How do you know what you're doing and when you're doing it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, in our particular district, um, so I'm at a, a single company station. And so if we're running in our first due, we act as an engine. Yeah. I, and yeah. if, yeah. And so then if we're running like in a, in our second due or, or wherever, then we're a ladder. And so, yeah, just being prepared to do, all, all the jobs. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Because w listen, when you're operating, right, it's one thing to be in the back seat and it's like, all right, we're going to be second due. It's out of our district. So we're going to the roof. We're an inside team. We're an outside team. It's very simple to break that down. Right. But when you're mm -hmm. chauffeuring, you don't know what you have until you turn the block. You don't know where you're positioning as an engine company. You could probably do your water supply mapping before you get there. So you have an idea where your first due, second due hydrants are, what your obligations are. If you're laying in, laying out, all that cool stuff, right? That's the engine company. That's simple. Position, stretch line. It's easier to stretch more hose than ladders. Then all of a sudden right. you turn the corner and now you're the first due truck or a second due truck on a fire. Positioning matters. You're getting there a little later into the incident. We're no longer an engine company mentality. It's now a truck company mentality. So the game changes. So for the chauffeur, when you're operating as the chauffeur of a Quint, there's a lot being thrown at you at one time. Yeah, for sure. Like, I uh, just, yeah, like for me, it's, you know, being on your toes all the time. So, you know, getting, getting your pack ready in the morning, as well as, you know, the truck and the pump and, and, uh, and knowing that your gear is already, because you could end up, you know, throwing ladders and, and doing truck duties, or you could just be standing by the pump and getting people water. <laughs> yeah. The excite the excitement of a show of an engine company chauffeur is like the first five minutes, first 10 minutes is uh, exciting. And then the rest of the run is as boring as it gets. Cause you're standing there watching. And exactly. Uh, yeah, I get that completely. So let's go for more truck work, more truck works, more exciting. The chauffeur gets to work when the truck arrives, you know, which is very yeah. cool. How much do you enjoy it? I mean, do, you said being on your toes. You like being on your toes. Do you like the excitement of the job? Meaning, you know, that you don't know as the chauffeur of a Quint company, a single company, you don't know what the cards are going to be dealt before you get there. I mean, do you thrive with that? I know I do. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I am honestly in a slower um, district. And so 
Um, so I don't get a lot of that excitement. And mm-hmm. so it does help being on a quint because then you get to do a little bit more and you get to practice and train in all realms of, you know, the fire service pretty much. And so it's, uh, it is, a, it, it is more exciting to, to be able to, um, wear two hats. If you yeah. <laughs> well, it offers more opportunity, right? I mean, you know, not every, yeah. not everybody could be turning out 15, 20, 25 times in a 24 hour tour. I mean, that's just, it's not how it works. The American fire service is built on companies that go nowhere to running out the door endless times, thousands and thousands of times a year. And that's the beauty of the fire service is that it's so different depending on where you go. And I know that you're in a, a beautiful community, right? It's an Island. I believe you're on. Yeah, yeah. St. John's District covers four different islands. It's Johns Island, um, Wadmala, Kiowa, and Seabrook. And I'm currently stationed on Seabrook Island. Sounds like a terrible place to work. Terrible place to, yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine. We also, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we also have a a Marine team. um, And so we have a couple boats, and um, the Marine teams are stationed at on Seabrook and Kiowa. And so I'm part of that as well. Oh, that's cool. So what is that? What's that water rescue, uh, things like mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's fun. And the nice thing is South Carolina, you don't get the cold water. See, we, we, we run cold water suits up here and that, uh, not so good. Not so good. I yeah. could, I could go for that <laughs> South Carolina ocean breeze every single day. I'm a beach guy. So bring that for me. I'm in, but your life has not always been the beach, right? No, it has not actually. So, so give me a little background about like where you where you come from, where you started, your fire service career, how that all became. Okay. Um I grew I was born and raised in Wyoming. Yeehaw. Yeah, well, I'm in. <laughs> and I'm in. uh <laughs> Yeah. Um and that's actually where I started my first year of Wildland Fire. It was in Worland, Wyoming for the BLM. And, um, and that was (laughs) quite the, quite the, like the shock. Um, at first I didn't think I was able, like capable of doing it, but I had worked for the park service for the YCC program, um, the last two years in high school and, um, those, the summers. And I had a supervisor that was like, Hey, you should try out for, or you should like apply for a wildland job. (laughs) And I laughed in her face and I said, yeah, right. I can't do that. And uh, she was like, "Yes, you can. You're you're uh, you're very capable." And she and uh, she just kind of motivated me. And so I put in an application and I took the pack test and I barely passed because she was like, "You don't need to train for that." And I was like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I was yeah. a- I was athletic, but I wasn't like um, in shape for the pack test. For anyone that doesn't know, is you have to wear a 45 pound vest, walk three miles in less than 45 minutes. And you have to walk, you have to have two feet on the ground at all times. You can kind of do a little trot if you will, (laughs) but, um, but with my short legs, I'm only five, three. And so with my short legs, I was cruising. Like I was like lunging (laughs) around this track. Like it was, it was pretty hard. Um, and so, yeah, I barely passed that. So I made it on, um, and that was back in 2004 Okay. and, um, and then I got hooked. It was like, I, I don't know. I just loved being able to get paid to hike and, and camp outside, you know, under the stars in a sleeping bag and work really hard. And like, 
Did you grow? Um, did you grow up that way? I mean, I got it. So everybody envisions Wyoming. Like, here's my vision, right? Is like every kid that grows up there is like blue jeans, horses, works outside, works with their hands, you know, um, and so on. Is that far from the truth? I'm serious. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. No, yeah, yeah, it's not far at all. Okay, um, so, it's not. It's not as glamorous as Yellowstone, yeah, the the, right. the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, most most. People around Wyoming, like it, it's country, you know, and so it that's, that does fit the description. I myself wasn't raised on a ranch or a farm, so okay. I was just. But a, you're surrounded by it, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. the so what I love, like I think about work ethic a lot, and I think about like different areas of the country where people, you know, kids. You know, when you when you look at like farms and a buddy of mine owns a very big farm and uh, his kids are, I think, like eight, six and four. And they all have a role on that farm already. Like they're all ingrained into the family business and they understand that work doesn't stop at five o'clock. Like it's a 24 hours a day between animals and plants and and, you know, and harvesting everything they do as a working farm the children are involved with and they start them very early. And I think that that has a huge, huge pays out a huge dividend on like work ethic. Oh, absolutely. Did you have, did you have that like growing up? Was that part of like your, your early years of like, just, I know you said you didn't grow up on a ranch or a farm, but like, was that kind of like what you were, um, I don't know, influenced by? Um, I definitely admired that okay. lifestyle and that hard work. Um, I had a different reason for um, my work ethic. I got it. Uh, I had um, really good mentors and examples, like with the park service and such. But I also had, I came from um, a family with a single mom who raised four kids. And so she, her work ethic Hell was yeah. was pretty phenomenal um because she had to you know and um yeah i moved out of the house at a young age and became pretty independent and so i i had to uh learn my own work ethic yeah and well there's something to be said for that because uh you know it's um there's no coddling right i mean it's uh you know people that people that have to forge their way and find their way typically are uh stronger for it I think. And, um, you know, I can't speak to that myself. I mean, I, you know, but I, I do believe that. And, um, you know, I learned my work ethic, um, through my father who worked 20 hours a day with his own business and watched that firsthand. And, you know, I worked for him all those years growing up too. And, and so on. So like, I, you know, I understood that. I think we all have our stories, you know, and that's really what I love about the podcast is, being able to share those stories and learn about others. Right. And so how did you find the park service? Were you like an outdoorsy type of person? Oh yeah. Um, I, I love the outdoors. Like that's my passion. Um, and I found it. So in high school, like the YCC program is youth conservation Corp, and, um, and they would hire so many different, um, high school students each summer to help uh, with like the, the visitor center grounds. Um, where I'm from is a, the Bighorn National Canyon, or okay. sorry, Bighorn, Bighorn Canyon um, State Park or like park or whatever was there. And, um, and so we would do like maintenance around 
the the grounds and the the boat ramps and the trails and stuff like that throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a really intriguing job for me, and um, I needed to make my own money sure. <laughs> because I was I was independent. Got it. Um, and so uh, so yeah, I I applied there and ended up getting hired on, and so I did that for two two summers actually, and that. Um, benefited me a lot. So I was able to like purchase my first car and all that. uh, That's cool. I I love that, you know? And then, so there was somebody there, uh, was it a female boss? Right. I I think that that's important, right? That kind Uh of empowered you to say like, you should go try the, the wildfire, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually Jen Schneider, she, she is, uh, one of my best friends till this day. Fantastic. But, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was a, a great influence. Um, in, in like getting me into the fire service that's and re- work ethic. That's really cool. I mean, I, I, I love that. I want to come back. We're going to come back to that, but what did that wildfire duty look like for you? I mean, you did eight years, I think you said, right? Eight years with, mm-hmm. with wildfire, eight seasons, I guess you should say. Yes. Um, uh-huh. What, what was that like? I mean, when you, so you pass the, you pass the test, you get in and then, I mean, I, a lot of females in wildland firefighting? Uh, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, there, uh, I don't know if there are more or less females in wildland and structure, because it's hard to tell because the crews are so much bigger and different. So, I get it. Yeah, um, totally. But when I did it there were only two of us my first year Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah so not a lot of females um definitely uh, a learning process for pushing myself to keep up with the males and and um knowing what i needed to do to um hold my own you know and and perform how I needed to, to, to be successful at the job. What do you mean by that? Like, so this is, so this is like my oblivious, like, this is what I'm really interested in, in, in talking with you is like to really understand like what you, what you had to deal with with that. Right. Cause I can't imagine it's gotta be challenging in and of itself when you walk through that door and there's only a few females to begin with. And it's typically a male dominated you know, um, business, if you will, for lack of better words, right? The, the wildland, you know, you're dealing with guys that are, that are being deployed, right. For what weeks at a time. Right. And, and, Correct. Now, and now yeah. you're becoming a part of that fabric. It's got to have a unbelievable amount of challenges for you. Yeah. I mean, not only just like the physical challenges, but like the, the, mental and emotional like yeah that's what i'm talking i'm not talking about the physical challenges like (laughs) the physical challenges to me is like i firmly believe that if you train and work hard anybody can do any job right like i i firmly believe that i'm saying more of like that mental aspect that you know you got to really wrap your head around that this is you know the i i would i would think that the spotlight is on you in a way and that you carry a burden with you that most probably don't have to carry because you're almost feeling that you'd have to prove yourself at every turn. Am I wrong in saying that? I'm curious. Oh, no, you are absolutely right. Um, And that's how we feel. I mean, I can't speak for every woman, so that's how I felt is I 
I felt like I was being judged mm. um, right away because I was, you know, I'm a small girl. I told you I was five three, yeah, and, yeah. and at that time probably, um, you know, 120 pounds, 125. I don't know, but um, so and then you know we're we're all carrying the same pack, the same tools. We're all walking the same distance. We're all doing the very same job, and and so um, for guys who are naturally stronger and and a bigger build and stuff that might not be as hard as it is for someone like me sure and so um so i just felt like they they were just waiting for me to fail or waiting um you know like just you know debating on whether i could i could survive the season or not mm. and that was that that fueled me i i'm pretty sure like Love that's, that. I, I was like i'm going to prove you wrong Hell i'm going to yeah. prove that i can do this Hell you yeah. know and and so i got my butt in shape and i i did it you know i made sure that i did it i wanted to do what they were doing yeah. and prove to them that i could be an equal and it didn't matter my gender or my size or whatever, like I could do the job and do it well. And, um, and I, and from then on, that's, that was my mentality. And, and I don't want other people to judge me based on my gender or whatever, because I do do the job that they do Yeah, and I do it well. And, um, and a lot of times I've been told that I do it better than some, you know, and so it's, it's, it doesn't have anything to do with being male or female. It has everything to do with your mentality and your focus and how, how much you want to succeed at the job. You know how and, many guys and suck how you prepare this. for it. Do you know how many guys suck at this job? Tons. Yes, Tons. A lot. <laughs> you know how many you know how many women suck at this job? Tons. We're people, yeah. right? Like that's the thing yeah. that I, I listen, I'm not claiming to be this most perfect guy where, you know, I everything is uh, you know, hunky dory, uh, you know, across the board. Like my my point is is like when people can do the job, we don't then see anything else other than they can do the job. And I think that's the most important thing. And what I was kind of like pushing you to to talk about a little bit was very much that, is that you said, hey, if I'm going to do this, it's got to be done on equal terms, and I need, to, I need to show these guys that I belong here, right? And that, I mean, that to me is what we all want, and it's not want in a selfish way. It's like, hey, you want to be here, then be here. Like, and, and that's, to me, I think very important, right? Is like that's very, mm-hmm. dis- that's a, a big dis- a distinguishing moment in like, because there's a lot of guys, men that are looking for an easier way. And it's not, it's not that you were, you just like, I want to be a wildland firefighter and this is what I'm going to do. Right. I love it. I mean, that's the way it should be. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the challenges of all of that, right. I mean, you got to be focused. You got to, I mean, you're, you're probably working, you know, 10 times harder than the next guy, if you will, because you have something to prove more so than the average guy. Yeah. 100%. That's Mm. how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And does that carry over? Like, so I'm just curious, like going forward, like, does that carry over in everything that you do in regards to the fire service then? Like, have you in the structural world as well? And I'm not going to put, you know, where you are today. Like, you know, is that how it was there? But like just in general, right? Like in the fire service, do you find that, 
you're constantly having to prove yourself? Um, I think so. Mm-hmm. I, and it's just been a continuous mentality because yeah. I I'm used to it now. Like I having, having to, you know, stay in shape and to prove myself and, um, and to go like go to my own trainings and, you know, even if I have to pay for them myself or get my own swaps or whatever it is, like I, you know, taking that initiative and showing that I care and that I, I can do this job and I can do it well. And, Hell yeah. and, you know, and, and that's, that is my mentality. And I, I know like when I started structure, that feeling came back to me, like my first day in, in the wildland services, like, Oh, are you going to be able to pull me out if I, if I go down or whatever? I mean, can the next guy next to you pull you out if you're 300 pounds? Uh, he's probably going to need some help. Yeah. Right. And so that's another thing is, is finding is going to these trainings and, and having other females train you on like different tactics and, and, and skills to make things a little bit easier, you know, different kind of drags that we can use or um, stuff like that, that, that helps a lot with. And so I, I, that's another thing with your podcast, as you mentioned, um, getting, getting out to so many people is, is find those, those trainings that have experienced females or mentors that have experience and stuff and let them teach you things that they have come across. I love it. I'm like five years is still pretty new in the fire service, hundred percent, especially at a slow district. And so I can always learn new things and I always want to learn new things and especially things that are going to make my job easier. You know, I had a, I had a great conversation with Jeremy Mathis and Jeremy is a friend of mine. He works, um, he's down in Georgia, but he also, uh, is the director of training for fast rescue solutions. And not only do they produce the fast board, but they also have this like unbelievable search culture and, and survivability culture about rescuing our own and rescuing civilians. And part of that is like down and dirty drags and things like that. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is Jeremy's a smaller guy. And he said that he had to work harder to figure out different ways to adapt to what was being taught because he's a smaller guy. He's not 6'4", 250 with big arms, you know what I mean? And so, mm-hmm. you know, he's a smaller guy. And so he had to find ways to hack what was being taught, which makes it more realistic for him. And so, you know, it's very much the same for you, is finding ways that you can do the job that works for you based upon, you know, who you are and your body type. And that, and that is, like, that's super important. And I love that message of like, go out and find women that are teaching and training and pick their brains and work with them. Right. I mean, that's, that's just smart. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, and one of the references I'm thinking of is like Jenny Grima. She's Mm. like from Florida. I know she's a rock star. She's a rock star. Yeah, she absolutely is. And she, you know, she's one that has a Rolodex full of tactics that women can use and, and such. And so like, I, I don't know, I admire um, those experienced women in the fire service that can spread their knowledge and and make other females feel comfortable in the fire service. This episode's brought to you by Teledyne Fleer. Teledyne Fleer is the originator and creator of thermal imaging technology. 
In 2013, FLIR launched the K-Series camera for the public safety sector, in particular firefighting. They have created cameras over the last 10 years for every position on the fire ground. From tactical to situational, their cameras help us make the right decisions on the fire ground. So check out Teledyne Fleer, check out their product offerings and engage them on their social media and ask them for more information and education in regards to their product. Teledyne Fleer is producing one of the best cameras on the market and they're a proud sponsor and partner of the National Fire Radio podcast. So go over to www.fleer.com and look up the public safety file and you'll find the latest offerings from Teledyne Fleer. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I totally get that. What's it like for you? Like, I so do you love it? Like, do you love that? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but like, do you love the job? You love the fire service? You love that aspect of it? Because the reason why I ask is I'm sure you have been dealing with a lot of adversity, uh, especially in your early days. And so, you know, I wonder if that tarnishes your outlook on the overall fire service in general. And, I, you know, it's kind of a pointed question. And um, I was just curious, you know, it just popped into my brain. It's like, you know, I didn't really deal with a lot of adversity throughout my career. And, you know, I, I didn't have to I didn't have to truly prove myself in any other ways other than the average person. And so I just wonder, like, you know, does that make you love it more or does it kind of darken the 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 outlook of things? Like, because I'm sure you've dealt with complete buffoons in your career i'm sure you have and i want to go down that road a little bit because i can guarantee you that some of the people that might listen to this episode are probably those buffoons because people perhaps yeah and so like i'm sure i couldn't even imagine i'm sure the storytelling you could give me is like can you believe they did this can you believe a guy said this a guy like i could only imagine because we're dumb you know and Mm -hmm. a, a lot of us are and you know and so like i just I wonder about like your outlook on it all. Like, is it, is it, um, I don't know. Do you, do you love the job? Like, do you love it? I, I absolutely love it. Like I can't imagine myself doing anything else. I've tried. Like I went back to school. I have a bachelor's in psychology. I went back to school to get my master's twice to do like clinical counseling or school counseling. And I just couldn't finish. I couldn't do it because I know that this is my my thing, my career. I, I know I'm a firefighter and, and that's, that's what I have to be. I I love it. With that being said, has anybody ever pushed you to the point of almost saying like, screw this, it's not worth it? Uh, well, not, I I don't think to that point, no, but someone like I've, for example, one of the worst (laughs) things that I've heard was that I was an HR nightmare (laughs) and so I was like, oh, okay. So I just used that as fuel to just, um, just be better, do better. Like, because yeah, you're the, the, the person that said that is the one that's intimidated by me. Yeah. Not, not the other way around. I yeah. could care less what he says or thinks, um, because I know who he is. Um, and, and, you know, that just makes me want to work harder, be better and be more proud of myself because I know that he's intimidated by me. And, and then I throw, I throw jokes around just the same with all the others, you know, like I, I, I I don't walk on eggshells. I, I'm just one of the guys, if, if you will, like, so, so, um, I just make it it comfortable and make it not awkward for people. 
Well, I think once we once people can, it, it's. I don't know why it should be an issue. If if everybody in that company, whether man or female, black, white, purple, green, blue, whatever religion you are, who cares if you can do the job and do the job that's expected of you, and you have a way about you in which the culture is good, you're there for the right reasons, you're there promoting one another, then all of that bullshit goes out the window. And I think what yeah. happens is when you find people that have an agenda or you find people that can't be in tune with that, um, that's where we have problems. And um, I think when you go to busy firehouses where people are going to work and everybody on that back step has proven themselves to be a valued asset to the company, to the department, to the team, to the citizens they serve, all the bullshit goes out the window. And the bullshit, I think, only comes around when you have um, pathetic people that are looking for other opportunities other than what the job is all about. And I think that that's where, really where we struggle with that. And unfortunately, I think it still runs rampant. And, um, you know, I think there's uh, – I give you all the credit in the world because you're a brave person, and you're very brave, and we need brave people in this industry. Um, and for you every day to know that you got to be on your game and to prove these guys that you're worthy of being there and that you're either an equal or better, God bless mm -hmm. you. I think it's fantastic. Thank I really you. do. Yeah, I, I really do. I and I don't think it's – I don't think it's right. In this day and age, for sure, like, man, let's get over this bullshit – of sexism and racism and all this bullshit, right? It's yeah. the job. Like we're firefighters. Sure. We're firefighters. We're not, we're, mm -hmm. pe we're just people. We're human beings. We're people that are here to protect people we swore to protect. Who cares what we look like or where we come from as long as they can do the job? That's what matters most, right? Right. And just because they can prove themselves and do the job and everything doesn't mean that you can take advantage of them either. And, you know, and, and when they are cool and lax, like, I think a lot of females have to deal with a lot of like sexual harassment stuff. I bet. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I bet that, they do. that is very much not okay. And as much as we want to joke around and be part of the, the family and be one of the guys that doesn't give you permission to cross the line. No, I know. I heard a, a crazy um, story not too long ago about a woman uh, in the fire service that was dealing with some real hardcore sexual harassment stuff. And um, the way she handled it was unbelievable. Um, I don't want to get into the whole story because, you know, it's not my place to tell it. But the way she came back around and addressed it with the individuals that were involved was super powerful. Um, I don't I don't think that anybody should is deserving of any of that. Um, and I think that there has to be a line. And, and I think that comes with maturity. Um, I think that you find that a lot of people that go down that road of sexual harassment has much bigger issues at hand. Unfortunately, they 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 put it upon others. Right. And um, it's it's terrible. I, I'd hate to see it. I don't think anybody deserves it. Um, and, uh, unfortunately I can see where lines get very blurred very quickly because guys are idiots. Right. I don't know. I, I believe it. So yeah, I, it's just shouldn't be, it shouldn't be. There should be a mutual respect across the board. And ultimately, would you want somebody talking to your mother, your daughter, your wife that way? And if not, then you don't do it to anybody else. And that's, that's just, you know, life, right? I mean, come on, clean it up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So let me ask you this then. With all of that, there's going to come struggles too for you. I mean, I'm sure that there's days where you're frustrated. I'm sure in your earlier years for sure that there were there were plenty of days of – because I know 
leaving the fire academy or leaving the firehouse, I, I had very hard days. And all I was dealing with was the job and, and trying to do something better or I failed at something. I couldn't imagine compounding that even more so because people have a target on you or what have you. And so I have to think that that weighs on you heavily too, especially in the earlier days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to prove yourself and trying to, um, be part of the family and be accepted because, you know, you have to, you have to spend your time there before, you know, you're, you're part of the family before like they welcome you, you know, 100%. Yeah. And so it, it takes a lot of work at the beginning and then like continuous work to keep it up and not get laxed. Like, some of the others or follow someone's example who is complacent and and such. And so, um, yeah. And then also like the hardest part for me is just like, personally, like, um, I have a pretty short term memory and, and just having needing those repetitions and, and stuff to, to be good because I can't just read something and retain it. Got it. I need, I need to work hands on multiple times until like before I feel comfortable. There are many of us that are out there that can sympathize with you. I'm one of them for sure. So I get that completely. I need repetition in my life. I need to get it in my hands. I need to feel it. I need to know what it's about. I need to understand it. Right. I mean, that's all things that help us learn for sure. I guess what, where I was asking and in, in taking this to then was I know that you're, um, you're very passionate about mental health. Um, and so on. And so I'm sure along the way for you, uh, and maybe this is why you have a passion for mental health, um, was maybe probably dealing with some of the, um, stresses and adversities that you were dealing with coming up through the job and, and so on. But, um, where does mental health fall in for you? I mean, I know it's a popular topic for you and I don't mean popular in a good way. I mean, uh, a, 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 you know, something that's prevalent in your world and that you're passionate about, um, where's, the, where did that all come from? How did, how did that become something that you wanted to be more involved with? So, um, as I mentioned before, I, I do have a bachelor's in psychology and I, I try to go back to school for my master's in counseling. Um, and so I do have a passion for that. I just, um, I just couldn't see myself actually doing it as a career lifelong. Yeah. I need to work with my hands. I need to be active. Sure. Um, and I love fire. So, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I have, you know, thought of like the, the whole, like, um, you know, health and safety officer aspect of it or um, the peer support group stuff. But so I've had my own um, mental health um, issues, if mm. you will, like, and, um, experiences. And, uh, and it was actually not long ago, um, that I, you know, that I noticed it and that I was, I wasn't really myself and I was getting depressed and getting down. And, um, and, you know, oftentimes I, I, as I'm talking to people, it's not, it's not always calls that you're dealing with. It's not always PTSD or something. A lot of times it's family, lifestyle like home life or um or like uh influences or maybe you know like outside influences and so that was kind of mine too and um and so I was I was uh getting pretty down and um had some 
some dark days. Well, I was at FDIC last year, and um, fortunately, uh, our district sent about five of us, and um, that was really fun. That's great. And one of the people that went was an officer that I didn't really ever talk to because I was intimidated by. But we were out uh, one night. We we decided to ride our little scoots to the to the bar and have a drink together. And um, for some reason, as we started talking, get to know each other, um, I told him my story. Like I told him all this stuff. I have no idea what what made me come out with all of it. But um, so I told him how depressed I was and and what was going on. And um, and after that. He checked in on me like every week. He would text me or call me like, how are you doing? Everything okay? Like, you know, and it was, it meant the world to me that someone I hardly knew um, reached out and, and cared and wanted to know and, and asked. And, um, and I thanked him uh, very much. And um, I, I went to a, a mental health uh, presentation forgive me, I forgot the name of it, but it was actually with Steve Gillespie. Um, and uh, after that, I, I like was crying through the whole thing. And I was like, oh, man. So I went to the bathroom and I texted this officer and I said, I just want to reiterate how much you you meant to me by checking in and you potentially saved my life. So wow. thank you very much. And um, and he yeah, he he took it really well. And he was like, wow that could, you know, that could be one of the greatest things in my fire career to hear. Um, and so you just never know who's going through what or who you might impact just by asking or checking in on someone. And I, I, I was really grateful for that. And so now like my, my, uh, meant like why it's so important to me is because I went and went through it. And so it's really important to check in on your people and, and talk about it and make it be okay to talk about mental health in your firehouse or whatever and check on your people because they are family. Yeah. And, and it's, it's important because we are seeing far too many first responder suicides or, um, or uh, addictions or, you know, whatever it may be, but um, yeah, it's important to check in. Well, you, you somehow, had the courage at a point that you probably weren't ready to do it. And then it just came out right. And the, the situation, the moment, and you know, that was your way of probably asking for some help. And, you know, there's, yeah. there's just so much to that. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, you said it's important to, to dial in and know our people because you need to know what they're going through. Um, did people know that you were having these struggles before you, I like, was there, was there anyone that was dialing in on you? Because what I, what I think about is how much we're not in tune with our people as much as we used to be. Everybody's so focused on themselves these days that it's, um, you know, it's not every day that people are very familiar with what's going on with the, the guy or girl riding next to them on the rig. And so like, were people dialed into you? Um, I don't think they were at that time. Yeah. Um, I, I think I kind of, uh, hit it yeah, fairly and, well for a while. And that's kind of, that's kind of my point, right, Carrie? And that, that's why I kind of wanted to like, just pick this apart a little bit more as to diving deeper on it. 
but that's the important thing is like if if you're most people don't ask for help right they, they suffer alone right mm-hmm. how do we and, how yeah. do we do better at that um have trainings you know like mental health trainings or you know just kind of bring it up as a broad spectrum just so it it creates a safe space um that's what we really need we need that firehouse to be a safe space so anybody can say anything around that kitchen table it doesn't even have to be always about calls or about fire talk or trainings or whatever it is um or (laughs) gossip about other people i don't whatever it is but it can be it can be serious stuff. It can be about individuals. It can, you know, making that a safe space so everybody feels welcome and comfortable to open up and, and talk about it, you know, normalizing talking about mental health and and making it known that it's okay to not be okay and that you have support from your brothers and sisters. And uh, I think that would make a huge impact. I, I do too. I think it's an environment that's uh, welcoming to allow for people to be vulnerable. I think what I think what we don't do well is, or or what? Yeah, I I think what we don't do well is allow us to be us, where there's always a guard up, right? And um, mm-hmm. we're afraid of what others are going to think. We're afraid of what others are going to feel about us, and so we're not going to open that door. And um, I think though. There's certain things that we could probably look out for, Carrie, and I'd, I'd love some feedback from you because I know you hit on it earlier, I think, before we started recording. But there's, you know, you can, if you know your people and you see differences in them, right? Like those are, those are some things right. that we need to start keying in on, right? Mm-hmm. Like if they, if they stop working out on shift and when they've been avid, avid, you know, at like working out on shift or whatever, if they, if they slow down or stop working out on shift, that's a huge sign. If they don't smile as often or don't crack as many jokes, that's one. Or if they if they kind of hint around about like not being happy at home or or um, you know like something's not going well, you know, kind of don't just say oh bummer. Like get be like hey I'm here if you if you want to talk or kind of ask another question. Be like so what is it about home that's not good or you know, get those descriptive questions going and, um, and, uh, you know, just kind of tune in. And it, if they, if they don't laugh as much, or some people do use laughter to, to mask it, but yeah. you, I mean, if you're in tune with your, your people, you can tell when there's subtle changes and then just notice how those changes are, are going even more. We, um, if they're not as, if they're not out doing the things that they love as much, that's a huge sign. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, what do we always hear when something like when something like this happens, right? It's, I never saw it coming. I can't believe that that's the last guy we would think that would do something like that. And you know, and I I sit there and you hear that quite often, and then you wonder, like, yeah, well, wow. I mean, it's uh, maybe you know he was very good at hiding it. Maybe it's a burden he's been carrying his whole life, or something that you know, and so on. So it, it can be very challenging. I think, you know, for us to know our people, to dial into our people and to see those subtle changes, um, hugely important. But I also want to stress to individuals that like, if you're having those struggles, if you're having some struggles, you know, 
we do want to help. Like every, like it's, we're, we're brothers and sisters. Like, you know, and I know that that's, you know, it, it's, I'm speaking to it from an outsider looking in because I don't, I'm not well versed in mental health. And I've talked about that on the podcast before. And it's not something that is, um, that I'm fluent with. And I probably need to do a much better job at really understanding it more so that when we have conversations like this, I'm more in tune with it. But I'm just bringing an outsider's point of view of, of somebody that's not well versed, the average guy, right? I'm just the average guy in this conversation. And I do, mm-hmm. I do know how important it is that we need to focus on our people and get out of our own heads and worry about others. Like, I think we're so worried about ourselves and our heads down in our phone, and we're so worried about what we are and who we are that we forget about the others around us. And we need to start doing a better job of picking one another up. And that starts with dialing in and understanding what's going on in their personal lives so that we can be in tune with that, right? I think we'll be in a much better place. But for those people that are struggling or having you know, um, having, you know, stresses in their life that are causing them to have different thoughts or a change in their lifestyle and so on, reach out, say something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we're, none of us want to go through that and we don't want that for you. And I know the one thing I was told about, you know, suicide and mental health is that it's literally a physical pain. Like they are hurting these people, that choose to go down that road are at a point in their life where they are literally in pain and they're trying to, the, the, the act of suicide is relieving the pain that they're feeling, you know? And when you, when you think about that, it's how can we alleviate some of that pain for you? We can make it better, you know, through physical ailment, we can do medicine and we can do treatments and we can, you know, treat physical ailments, the mental ailments we can treat too, but we have to be let in to help. And I just can't Mm -hmm. stress that enough that like, this is what the fire service truly is all about is not just protecting the citizens that we're sworn to protect, but also taking care of one another. We need to do a better job at that. But that also comes from the individuals that need the help. You need to ask, you need to say something, please speak out. Please. I mean, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it it relates to the fire. Yeah. It relates to the fire service a lot, you know, like those people need to call their own mayday, you know, and then, and then we can rescue our own kind of thing. And so, yeah, the problem um, is a lot of people don't sound a mayday when they shoot on the fire ground until it's too late. And that's the problem. That's true. Yeah. And it, it parallels this conversation. And I think it's very much the same mindset about that is that I don't want to call an early mayday on a fire ground because it might look weak or feeble. It might look like I'm not confident in my skills or abilities or position on the fire ground. But then on the, on the other aspect of the mental health, it's the same kind of reasoning, right? I don't want to sound the alarm right. because I don't want to burden people with, you know, my issues or who I am. And, and that can, that it can't be further from the truth. Um, right. it just can't be further like, from the truth. We need to know. The fire service doesn't, the fire service doesn't have to be that, that macho human thing anymore. You know, that it, it can, we can be a family. We can take care of our own and, um, and it should happen and it needs to happen because it's, um, mental health issues are happening far, far too often. And, and yeah, just seeing those signs, like if, if someone is, is out drinking more than they usually do or something, they're self-medicating probably. Yeah. And so, so that's where that taking care of that pain 
is happening or, you know, and, you know, ask them to go get some coffee with you or go have a drink with you. So then they can like tell you what's happening. So they're not drinking alone at home. And cause yeah. it only takes, a, it only takes one, one second to make the wrong decision. And you're right. And it's all over. You're right. And then it's a, a lifetime of, you know, uh, everything else. And, um, you know, I just, yeah, I, I, we need to do better at this. We need to keep talking about it. We need to keep educating. We need to look out for our own. We need to share resources that are available so that people know. And now more than ever, you know, those resources are more prevalent today than they've ever been. Um, and we need to make sure that our people are comfortable and aware of that. And I think also company leaders, company bosses, officers, chiefs, departmental chiefs, you know, HR, administration, we need to be sure that we're dialing into our people and we understand our people and provide them the tools they need. We give the tools on the fire ground. Let's give them the tools in life too. And if there's things that we can offer to make our people better, to feel better, to be better, to be more present, to be, you know, empowered, like then let's give those tools available. We need, we have an obligation to do that for one another. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there, I, I'm sure most every department has an EAP program. Yeah. And so that can be handed out more frequently or reminded, you know, send a little reminder or whatever. Yeah. I, and, you know, and it's people like you that um, I think are uh, – bringing this to light. I, I, there's a lot of people out there in the industry that are talking about mental health. I think what we need to do is talk about it, but we also need to get our hands dirty and roll up our sleeves and really make a point of making it a topic that deserves the attention it gets. And we need to relate that to the backstep firefighter so that they understand what that means. There might be times where people are going through things and they don't necessarily understand it themselves. And they don't understand what PTSD looks like and how that pokes its head out at certain times and then it doesn't at other times. Or, you know, if you're you're coming home and you're more ornery than you've been before, or you're you're fighting with your wife more, or you're taking it out on your children more. Like we have to educate our people to understand what the signs and symptoms are of it too. Some people are probably going through it super confused, not understanding what they're dealing with. And, you know, and that's mm-hmm. part of that educational process, too, is educating our own people about what these stressors look like and what mental health looks like. I, I think the stigma of it is is less than it's ever been. And we just need to keep pushing that mantra forward for sure. So but I'm glad we talked about that today, Carrie, for sure. And um, I appreciate you sharing a little bit of, of your backstory and and so on with it. But um, this hour goes quick, doesn't it? It sure does. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So what's next for Carrie Lawson? So life is good. Working, working in the firehouse, driving at Quint. Life is good. You've got yourself in a, in a good position. What's next for you? Oh, um, I'm hoping to make it back out West actually. Um, yeah. In my near future, I, my heart resides in Utah. So Utah. Yeah. We didn't even get into that. I know you said Wyoming. And then you spent time in Utah as well. What about Utah that you like so much? Oh my gosh. Just, uh, every, <laughs> I mean Everything. like the geography about it, like yeah. half of this, half of the state is beautiful deserts yes. and, and then the other half is beautiful mountains and, 
and I, I like, I don't mind the snow. I like snowboarding and stuff like that, but they have, you know, lakes and waterfalls and rivers. And then there's national five national parks there. Sure. And I just, I'm never, excuse me, I'm never bored there. Mm. And so I just, I just love activity. I'm not a beach girl. Um, I've, I've had enough of the, uh, the marsh <laughs> life. <laughs> I believe it. I get it. I'm a I'm a beach guy for sure, but man, there's something about um, the lakes and the mountains. And uh, you know, I live in New Jersey, but the part of Jersey I live in, it's very green, very plush mountains. I mean, it's beautiful landscape here. Twenty minutes from me is like you know what everybody knows, Newark Airport and you know New York City skyline. But you know where I am, it's it's just absolutely stunningly beautiful. And, uh, and I'm fortunate for that. And I have the, the beach close by, but I also have the mountains close by. So it's like the, the perfect space. Um, but I can sympathize with you in wanting to change the landscape and check out different things and go back to what you know and so on. I, uh, there's something about that. So I hope that you get there soon and uh, you get to enjoy that. But I really enjoyed my time with you today. And I, I, yeah. I want to say thank you. Um, you know, it, it was important to me to kind of dive in a little bit to get a better understanding on some topics that I'm not really well versed in. Um, and I think that how we learn in the fire service is through examples and storytelling. And, um, you know, whether we're sitting against the back bumper or the kitchen table for you to share some of your story today, to talk about some of the adversities you've dealt with, um, as well as going down the mental health aspect in, in that road. Um, you know, these are the conversations that we need to be hearing and talking about. And when you're in a firehouse, full of guys and there's not a female there to talk about any of this. There's really no way to educate yourself as to what some of that looks like as well. And so, you know, for today, I mean, that's why this was special to me. And, um, I really do appreciate you though, um, talking about it. And I, I know it can't, I know it can't be easy all the time. And, uh, and so I do appreciate that. And, um, you know, I know I learned a couple things today and if we can, I don't know, press upon people that are listening to this, you know, to maybe change their attitude, change their ways, or look at something a little bit differently than we win. And, um, you know, thank you for doing that today. I appreciate you joining me today. Truly. Absolutely. Thank you, Jeremy. Cool. I yeah. Had a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a good conversation. Thanks so much. So hang right here. I'm just going to sign out the podcast and I'll come right back to you. Okay. Hang on one sec. Okay. Cool. Everyone, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Another great conversation today. Carrie Lawson, St. John's Fire District in South Carolina, but our heart belongs in Utah. And uh, what a fantastic conversation today about mental health, about women in the fire service. Um, and I challenge you with this tough podcast today, with the tough messages that came across and the conversation we had um, it's heavy and I challenge you to take these heavy conversations back to the firehouse and talk about them. Talk about what you heard today and, uh, it makes the job better. It educates us to be better. And that's all we want to be in the fire service. Cause when we're better, the people we're protecting are better. And, uh, well, anyway, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy national fire radio.